Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. It is always a pleasure to say hello to Warriors head coach Steve Kerr. Brought to you by Xfinity. Supercharge your home with supersonic Wi-Fi. Unbeatable internet only from Xfinity. And coach joins us on the Bud Light guest line. All guests appear on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Steve, thank you very much for joining us. I, I will say that that game last night was easy to enjoy, but that's officially the outcome you're looking for. Glad you found it. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. It was like uh, you spent the entire first half stepping on your own toes with all those turnovers. Then in the second half, we see you know up and down performances that are dotted by great shooting stretches, great defensive stretches, and a moment where maybe Jordan's doing a little bit too much. Steph gets frustrated. He whips the mouthpiece and... That that just doesn't happen very often. Whenever it does, though, he gets ejected, and it's happened three. He's been ejected three times in his career, and the mouthpiece hasn't been involved all three times in his <laughs> career. I mean, if if an otherwise perfect player is going to have a blind spot, I I guess that's semi acceptable. But man, he, he that, that, did you see him throw it in real time? I didn't see it until the replay. No, I didn't see it. I was very confused as to what was happening because it was such a weird time to have a, a an ejection and a technical you know after after a missed shot in transition and uh, you know there wasn't a controversial foul call you know anything like that it was just all of a sudden the whistle blows and Steph, Steph's gone it's, it was bizarre um, but yeah I mean he knows he can't you know throw the mouthpiece I, I, I wish there was a little room for um you know, maybe reason to prevail because it's not like he threw it at somebody. He threw it on the ground. Um, you'd like there to be a little wiggle room for the official to maybe give him a technical, but not an ejection. But um, that's that was the call. That's so that's that's what it was. And so you know, our guys had to pick it up from there, and they did, and they they got it done without Steph, which was uh, pretty uh, pretty good accomplishment under those circumstances. I mean, the dog didn't like it, that's for sure. Tell us about the dog in the yeah. background. Who is that? Two of them. We got we got two dogs in the background. We got I got a Frenchie and a uh, Retriever. So the the Retriever's mine, the Frenchie is my son's. So we're just hanging out. I'm hanging out with just the two dogs and me. Now, did you name the dogs after great NBA entities? What what are the dogs' names? Uh, Lulu and Nelly. Oh, so Don Nelson, Don everyone named, named after Don Nelson. That's right. <laughs> and Lou Williams, I presume. Yes, and Lou Williams. You got it. Um, <laughs> it's now been forty-eight games, and you guys are twenty-four and twenty-four. And I think it's fair to say inconsistency is probably the watchword. Are you starting to get a little impatient that your guys haven't figured out? you know, how to do what you need them to do on a more consistent basis? I don't know if impatient is the word. I, I think, um, I think we've, we've got a, a good sense of what needs to happen. Um, and I think we've seen proof that it can happen, but we just have to go and do it. 
you know um i felt like early in the year our starters were playing lights out and we were struggling trying to find bench combinations and you know find an identity off the bench and now it's a little bit in reverse you know we um, our bench has really come through over the last few weeks you got guys playing at a really high level uh, dante has been fantastic um uh, you know lamb and, and ty jerome have have established um themselves as really effective players and you know depending on who we start looney and and pool have both been really good and so i i think we're we're just at a point where we've seen that we can we've got individual guys who are you know playing well at, at different times but we've just got to put it all together at once and that's that's the goal are you uh, at this point of the year because this is different than whatever you everything you've ever faced as a head coach are you at the point now where you can see a consistent game coming right at the start of the game or do you just have to you know stand for the national anthem and take your chances as to what you think you're going to see well, no, I think I think we're not quite sure what we're going to get, and that's why we're 500. Um, you know, it'd be nice to build a little consistency and where we knew exactly what we were going to get. Um, but like I said, we can envision that based on the contributions that we're getting from from different guys, and and the the fact that guys are falling into roles. I mean, Kaminga has fallen into a really good role. I shouldn't say fallen; he's worked for a really good role. As a uh, you know defensive stopper, a guy we can put on the toughest uh, matchups, um, and you know gives us gives us some force going to the rim. So I mentioned the other guys. I you know I bring up J.K. Um, it, it, we, we've seen we've seen all these guys uh, step up and, and play well. So it, again, it's just a matter of consistency as a group. You know, uh, not not individual players playing well. It's the, the team's got to play well. We we've got to take better care of the ball. We've got to stop fouling. But these are all the same messages that we've been preaching uh, for a long time. So it, at some point, we're either going to do it or, or we're not, and that's going to determine what kind of season we have. Steve Kerr here on ninety five seven. The game is Steph's in the moment anger a little bit of a bellwether, uh, uh, you know, for the team realizing that, you know, the, the time for less than the best is officially come and gone. And here you are, it's February, you're looking to get above 500. Um, do you see Steph's frustration as actual fertile soil that you'll plant better basketball in? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's the, that's, one of the things that has been consistent this year is, is that we just we don't know we, we you'd like to think you know hey now's the time we're ready to take off now and we've had several of those moments and then it hasn't happened you know so um i'd like to think that 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 moment becomes a galvanizing uh, moment for all of us and we put it together and we get on a nice run here but we'll see we got to go do it have you ever seen a player get tossed from a game because he was so upset with a, a, a choice his teammate made? I mean, obviously, there was a, a hug in the hallway where Poole even threw, I believe, his mouthpiece in Curry's direction. They kind of laughed it all off. And I know you guys, you know, you all get along pretty darn well, but I, I, I've never seen an ejection quite like that, where there was a boiling level of frustration by something that a teammate did. And you played with, let's face it, the most competitive guy like ever in Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan ever get ejected because he was upset with a teammate? I don't remember, you know, ever seeing anything like this. And, and you know, remember, the, the uh, these are just sort of rules that the league has. You throw anything towards the stands, it's an automatic ejection pretty much. Um, so uh, it, it's the fact that it came out of frustration. I, I don't. I don't know that it was just frustration over Jordan's shot. I think it's frustration over a lot of things, you know. And and uh, so it's uh, the frustration of being twenty four and twenty four, and, and and not being able to find um, the traction that we're looking for this season. So it's uh, it, it's it's all wrapped up in there somewhere, but. Um, you know the the idea now is to is to take the next step, but the only way to do that is to actually execute on the floor. And you know, a big part of our work today, our film session, was 
reminding guys that that's across the board. You know, uh, I was frustrated with Steph for picking up two fouls in the first minute of the game, you know, and Draymond was frustrated with, you know, someone for not making a rotation. And then, you know, someone else is frustrated with Draymond for turning the ball over. And so this is, you know, this is how it works when, when a team is not performing uh, at a level that, you know, that, 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 we know the team can. Well, there's frustration, and it sets in. And guys love each other. They they play for each other. They play hard. But there's there's got to be a, a collective uh, commitment to uh, addressing the things that are bothering us and then doing something about them. So this is indeed the real NBA that you said was coming all those years ago. Here it is again. <laughs> this is uh, this is the place where you know most most teams reside in this. Uh, this space where you 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 know you you know you can get better, but you're 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 stuck around five hundred and you're in the playoff hunt and you know but you're left wanting more. This is definitely where most teams reside. Is drawing up the dead ball plays, the after timeout plays, like one of the best parts of your day? If I were a coach, that's one of the things I would geek out on. I think every napkin in my house would probably, you know, <laughs> have something drawn on it. Um, and tell us about last night after it looked like he might, you know, wear the dunce cap. Jordan Poole ends up making the perfect play. You you send all those fake curls off the traffic underneath the basket, and he's just right there. DiVincenzo makes the perfect pass. Boom, good night, Memphis. Uh, you mentioned Draymond sort of tapped you on the shoulder to remember that set. Uh, just just talk us through it. Well, you know, you, you try to plan for every scenario, and, and uh, you know, not having a timeout left and having just a few seconds uh, on the clock, either ball, uh, you know, on, underneath or side out of bounds. You, you, you know, you you always have built-in plays for that kind of stuff. And um, so we we've had one uh, for the last few years. And uh, as I said to the media last night, we hadn't practiced that play in in a while. And so Draymond immediately called for it because it was kind of our automatic, you know, late, you know, game. Uh, underneath play for for the last few years, and I knew I, I knew Dante and Lamb might be a, you know scratching their head a little bit because they're new. The other guys I knew would know it because we've been running it for a long time. Uh, but when Draymond immediately called it out, I said, "Yeah, that's a perfect call." And um, I was just hoping that uh, you know we'd get our, we'd we'd get in the right positions and immediately lamenting you know. Why didn't we practice this more over the last couple of weeks? I need to, you know, I need to throw this in once in a while, and just just like the other situational stuff that that you know comes to you once in a while. So uh, it all worked out great because the players executed, and Jordan made a great read on the back cut. Dante made made a great pass, and uh, as with any play that you draw up, it's only as good as as the players' execution and skill. And luckily, we had. Hey guys who made made plays out there. Um, given the fact that you've never really dealt with a team that hovers around 500, is there somebody outside the company that you can talk to from time to time about the stresses and strains of coaching a team that can be more consistent but hasn't done it yet? Or is that just something you discuss with your assistants all the time? Uh, no, I mean, you know, Bob Myers is, is my, that's my guy. You know, we talk pretty much every day about the team and what's happening. And, um, he, he and I manage the, the, the group together. It's obviously different relationships, player, coach, player, GM, but it's really, I think, helpful for me to be able to lean on, on Bob, uh, so that he can, you know, at key times, step in and talk to guys, and and uh, but Bob and I discuss things every day. We talk strategy, we talk you know combinations and rotations and all that stuff. Um, and he's, uh, I would say, my biggest confidant. And it's uh, as far as outside the organization, I really don't um, you know talk talk um, 
you know, details with anybody outside. Pop has been a great mentor for me, and occasionally I'll, I'll check in with him, but never about, you know, sort of details. More, more just coaching philosophy or communication with a player, that type of stuff. Um, but uh, for, for all the Warrior stuff, it's, you know, I, I, Bob and I, we hash stuff out every day. No, I was thinking less about the detail stuff, which I presume you would keep in-house, and more about, you know, just sort of not philosophy as much as how do I get this to stop being the way it is uh, just as a mm. coach and you know is pop that guy or because he's still in the league you can't really burden him with that because he's got his own set of problems yeah occasionally I'll call pop with something like that um, it, it, you know but Ron Adams has become um, you know one of my my main go-to people to, to help with this stuff because of the role he's in now um, he's he's able to just you know dig into his well of knowledge you know all of his coaching years he's seen it all and so he always has uh, great thoughts and ideas about how we might reach the group and and um, and you know a lot of our guys on staff um, you know Kenny and and Decky and Q Jamma I mean these guys uh, are, are really sharp and they've got great suggestions and great ideas and, and that's what being part of a coaching staff is is all about is, is you know you meet and you try to f figure out the best way to communicate something to the team and and then you you, you, you give that a shot and you go from there uh, for the first time ever Steve there's a little noise around Bob Meyer's future what it might hold can you imagine how much how drastically your day-to-day -day would change if you didn't have Bob Myers as a daily confidant and partner? Yeah, Bob's amazing. Um, he's he's such a uh, a great friend and and obviously phenomenal general manager. Um, not just putting the roster together here over the last decade, but uh, just communicating with everybody, communicating in every direction, um, keeping this thing going on a daily basis. He has the respect of of everybody, um, you know, players, owners, coaches, uh, personnel, everybody loves Bob and, and, um, we all want him to be back and we all hope he's going to be back. I expect him to be back. You know, I, I can't imagine him not being in this job, but this is, you know, this is the NBA. You just you never know how things are going to play out, but uh, we all we all hope that this all works out and he's back with us. I uh, have been accused this week of doing uh, uh, glad-handing interviews with you. Not tough enough. People want the most successful coach in the history of this franchise facing a tougher line of questions. Are are you ready for a tough question, Steve? Here we go. Here it comes. All right. What do you what do you got for me? Do you owe it to James Wiseman to either start playing him or trade him? Uh, I think that's a fair question. Um, you know, one of the things that that uh, I tell uh, James from time to time is I, I feel bad for him because of the circumstances. Um, you know, he's he's had a a tough go with the injuries. The injuries have definitely set him back. But bottom line is, he's a really talented young guy playing on a veteran team. Um, so he's he's in a situation where he's not getting as many reps and as much playing time as he would in a different um, set of circumstances. Um, you know, had had he been drafted by a, a different team, um, he'd be getting more opportunities for sure. And that's um, that's part of his story. That's part of his journey. And what I love about James is he understands that and recognizes it and continues to keep a, a positive spirit and energy and, and he works hard every single day and uh, and he's wonderful to coach so uh, so I'm a, I'm as I've said many times I'm a huge fan and um, however this plays out um, we don't know but um, I, I hope I get to continue to coach him and I hope that he can you know develop here and and get more opportunities as we go forward are you I, this is you know, more macro than you're probably interested in at this stage of the season. But when when you do take a minute to look at the standings every day, are you surprised that the difference between the fourth place team and the thirteenth place team in your conference is three games? 
And based on that, since you're one of the teams in that in that weird middle, is there a place you feel like you need to be by the end of March or by the middle of March that you'd be comfortable with? And I'm not saying just don't give me the answer. Well, first, of course, but is there a place you think your your team ought to be by then? Well, first of all, I don't think I've ever seen it like this, where four through thirteen are so close together. Um, it may have happened at some point, but it's extremely, extremely rare. Uh, so it's really bizarre. I mean, we some nights we we don't play and we move up three spots. You know, it's like what a great night for the Warriors. Uh, you know, but it's um, it's also a reminder that we aren't that far off, you know, if we can get on a nice little run here and and play to our potential, then we could find ourselves in, in third or fourth pretty quickly. And that's um, that's exciting. That We know that's out there for us if we can put it together. Um, but that's the goal. And as far as, you know, dates and mid-March and all that stuff I, I don't I don't think in those terms I just I just keep thinking every day you know how can we try to get better how can we capture this momentum that's been lacking for a team that's not your rival boy Memphis brings out an awful lot of scrap in the Golden State Warriors and that was good to see <laughs> that was the first of your final 35 games of the year so you're one and0 in your final 35 have you thought about what your record needs to be to make you either happy with where you would be in your own seating or a record that would just make you happy because that record means this team is starting to pick up what I'm putting down in game plans. Uh, you know, it's uh, first of all, the first part, uh, Memphis, is it's always a really fun game when we play them. There's just a lot of competition. There's a lot of trash talking. You know, they got a couple of Michigan State Spartans on their team on the other side that, you know, Draymond likes to chirp at. And um, and as far as the, the competition, we, we know that, you know, Memphis is on the rise. They're, um, I don't know, second in the West, maybe third. I, I haven't looked at second. the standings today, but, you know, they're, um, they're having a hell of a year. So, they're, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to get it going. We're just trying to put ourselves in the best possible position for the playoffs. We do feel like we're at, we would be at our best in the playoffs because our guys will get the necessary rest um, and preparation time and all that. And we've always thrived in these circumstances. But we've got to get there, and we've got to get there in, you know, in, in good, good shape, meaning good health, but also, uh, you know, a favorable seating, and that's the goal. I know the schedule is the schedule, and there's not much you can do about that. But do you get a sense that I, at you, as you look at it, that with fewer um, back-to-backs, that you can get a more sort of rational schedule day-to-day about what you need to do to to achieve the consistency you're looking at? Is that are you are you seeing it that way, or do you just think the schedule is just too compressed in general to? get the kind of sort of day-to-day momentum you'd like to get? No, I don't think we can blame the schedule for... The I'm lack not saying of blame the schedule, but do you think it can... Now that it looks like it's more normal, um, is it actually that normal, or are we misreading it? I don't know. I just I just know we play Toronto tomorrow, and then we leave town the next day. Honestly, I, 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 don't lo- I haven't looked at the next couple weeks even i didn't know the schedule was that much different coming up than it was the last few weeks so uh i just don't i don't look at it like that at all i just i uh, you know we just try to get our our guys ready to go and and um try to address the stuff that's been bothering us and figure it out from there niners eagles who you got steve i got the niners i mean how, how could i not i mean this is uh an incredible run they're on, and uh, man, what a matchup! Two heavyweights, two great teams, and um, loaded, loaded with talent on both sides of the ball. It's going to be so fun to watch. Well, oh, never mind that. What do you got in Bengals Chiefs? Since you don't have to do the home <laughs> fe- hometown team. Uh, it it it's interesting to to hear that Kansas City is an underdog on their home field. So, on the other hand, you know, Cincinnati's been 
destroying the league since the first month of the year. So um, I don't know what to make of that game. It, it's got a weird feel. I don't know if anybody if anybody really knows how how Mahomes' ankle is going to be and all that stuff. But man, the Bengals have been an absolute machine for the last couple of months. They are they are something. Steph Curry makes another All-Star team. No surprise there. So congratulations to him, Steve. Congratulations to you guys on that that win last night. You are you're always worth the price of admission. There is no doubt. This has been a wildly interesting season for a lot of different reasons and it feels like if uh if you guys are going to get it together, it's going to happen soon, hopefully because it's that time where the real basketball is here. Steve, thank you so very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Good luck against Toronto and, and, and everything going forward. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next week. There he is. Steve Kerr on 95.7 The Game. I'm glad he thought that my question about James Wiseman was a fair question. Because I thought it was a fair question, too. I mean, what does an NBA team, what does any team in sports really owe a player that they drafted and are developing. They owe him his paycheck. They owe him a sound, safe, professional working environment. Beyond that, they don't owe him anything else. But it sounds like they really do, officially, like James Wiseman. They want to see the best thing for him. And it feels like they've made an in-house decision or it has come into their reality that... Being a Golden State Warrior might not be the best thing for James Wiseman. Uh, yeah, I, I think the fact that the trade deadline is when it is, which is in March, makes this a very open question for them. And I think it's been an open question all year. They are trying to figure out a way that he can be helpful to them. And so far, the answer has evaded them. Or it's evaded him, and he, he hasn't been able to deliver on court what Steve Kerr says he knows to be true. So I think it is, I think it is an open question. I don't think they've made up their minds on any of it yet because they don't have to. I mean, most decisions that general managers and coaches face aren't made weeks ahead of time. They're sort of made when you've reached that point where you can't equivocate anymore. And I don't think they're at that point yet because the trade deadline isn't there yet. Um, you you never see trades much before the deadline. You know, it's people are basically waiting to see how their team is going to sort out. And since, as, as Steve Kerr said over and over again, he doesn't know, I think it's safe to assume that Bob Myers doesn't know either. So I, I think, you know, Weissman remains an open book in terms of what they intend to do with him. I genuinely don't believe they know what they're going to do with him. I mean, he's still got potential, but like we asked Nick Ferdell when he was in here the other day, what what value does he have beyond his perceived potential? He may be able to offer Team X down the road. Yeah, I think right now there's not much, but I don't know if that would be the uh, you know the main criteria for them to decide whether to move him or not because. At some point, if they can't rely on him to give them decent run as they head toward the playoffs and they intend to be a playoff team, I think they might move him for less than what some people would perceive to be his his value because he hasn't shown much. And yes, he's had injuries and, you know, yes, you know, playing does it, on does this. Does help trade value, by the way, those injuries? Well, no, but that's part of it. The other part is... He hasn't figured out what his place is in the league. So anybody who's going to trade for him has to sort of project what they think he could be on their team without much data, except I've seen him jump and I've seen him dunk. And that's the, I think that's the wild card with him is you, you literally are playing with no information on him. There are four, were four, DNP coach decisions last night. James Wiseman, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Moses Moody, and Ryan Rollins. Three of those four have been sent to the G League. Wiseman will remain with the big club in the meantime. What I also find interesting is, you know, normally 
wounded or threatened animals will return to what they know best while they're being wounded or threatened. I don't think that they're going small, Ray, because that's the matchup the evening dictates. I think the Warriors are going small because Steve knows this is the best chance I have to start this game with everybody's full attention. And that's been a problem this year. And I just need to send the message that whatever our best foot is to put forward, that needs to be the first step of the game. Like, we can't slow play our way into moments of the game that we will, you know, respond to once they arrive. We need to start with our best foot forward. And if they are in that, you know, philosophy of going small truly does bring out the best of us, again, tell me how does James Wiseman fit that? He wouldn't. But the the one thing we've known about the Warriors is that their answer to that question has changed a number of times as this year has gone on because they haven't gotten consistent anything from any grouping most of the year. I mean, I thought it was telling when Steve Kerr said that, you know, for much of the year, the starting lineup was doing great and the, the second group was not very good. And now the, now that's reversed, which is one more thing that he cannot rely on night in and night out. So if for right now, going small makes the most sense, yeah, it doesn't seem to suggest that Weissman is going to get much run. But Steve Kerr doesn't have to worry about 23-24. That doesn't exist to him. Hell, he, he couldn't remember who he's playing after Toronto. Uh, he's about the very right now. The two-track timeline doesn't matter to him. He's coaching today so that he can coach tomorrow, so he can coach the day after. And that's the thing about seasons. It's just during the summer, you can look five years ahead of time and make all the plans you want. But once the season starts, it's about today, and it's only about today. I don't know if you stuck around for any of the uh, post-game press conference last night, but Whitley nearly had her eye taken out by a Clay Thompson paper airplane that he likes to make with the stat sheet. Yeah, well, he's a vicious man. I mean, he's he's borderline homicidal in many ways. Look, uh, all I'm just saying is Whitley was very close to losing an eye and gaining several million dollars all at once last night. And don't forget, she'd look great in a jaunty eye patch. Oh, without a doubt. She'd make a tremendous pirate. Yeah. Showing up with a parrot on her shoulder, a tricorner hat. <laughs> Maybe she'd take a leg off and go full pirate. Peg leg? Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit more of a sacrifice, I think. And I don't know that she should do that for this company. But if she ever got to something big like ESPN, if the cost was a leg, I think she'd think about it. She really likes her sneaker collection. I don't think she'd want to be giving up. Well, she'd be doubling its wear life. Uh, um, yeah, I, I guess if you're comfortable putting the left foot, the left shoe on the right foot. She's got to double up. Anyways, uh, we're glad Whitley uh, survived the moment, and it was pretty funny when it was all said and done. Uh, he was mortified. He, he was, was genuinely, he genuinely horrified that he nearly killed somebody with a paper airplane. He, he, didn't, he didn't want to do it. Uh, uh, you know, Steve's got... Uh, He's got the 49ers in Philadelphia. We talked to Joe Fortenbaugh earlier today. He is totally on the side of the Eagles, not just from a trolling the radio station standpoint, but all the gambling positions that he's been taking. We had Ron Jaworski on earlier today. A great conversation with him. And if you missed any of it, you can find it all on the Odyssey app. You can just click on the YouTube page. You can rewind. You can look at all the shows that were uh, on the air today. A lot of good stuff, including the fact that Trent Williams gave us an awful lot of good sound earlier today. Talked about how the running game is going to need to pop for the 49ers in order to go ahead and win this game in Philadelphia. And if it ain't popping early, like it wasn't against Dallas, it's not necessarily a bad sign, but you got to play yourself in to moving good defenders around and kind of get a feel for the game. And what happened against Dallas last week needs to happen against the Eagles this week if in the first quarter they're looking at, you know, average yards per rush, 2.1, which is what it looked like after the first quarter, first half last week. Here's Trent Williams on 
getting the running game going. The running game, especially this late in the year, is, is nothing. It's not like a instant uh, grits or something. You know, you, it's not like you just open the game, just running the ball down people's throat. You know, the running game is something that you kind of you wear people on. You know, and you kind of everybody's gonna have a, a different wrinkle how they're gonna approach us, and you know, um, a lot of that first couple drives is spent just trying to see what what are the new changes what are, what are they doing different than we've seen on film if there are some then we address them if not then we kind of know what runs to stick with you know and Cal does a great job of mixing it up making runs look the same just kind of peeping away the defensive ends playing and it's a whole lot that goes into it so we never go into the game expecting to just bust the gate open with 100 yards in the first quarter. But obviously that's part of our identity uh, is, is running the ball, having a really balanced offense. So it's important for sure. But it's going to be tough sledding just like it was last week. Every every week the competition gets stiffer. It's going to be a little harder to run the ball. And look, it's going to be tough sledding for the 49ers offense if they're not staying on schedule. I mean, you want to talk, what's the most important down? It might be second down this week. This week. Because third and short, is a world of opportunity where third and long could become a world of hurt. Yeah, and I think, you know, he raises an interesting point where he talks about, well, you you know, you just don't hit the ground running on the running game. The running game thrives for them once they get a lead. And for the most part this year, they played with a lead fairly early and can defend it by running the ball more and eating up clock and you know, turning it into a more physical battle where you can wear down the other team. Um, when they're behind is when they start jacking it up. And that's not their strength. It's not a weakness, but it's clearly not their strength. Kyle Shannon has built this team to lead early and grind late. And it's exactly what Trent Williams was talking about a little bit later on in the press conference. And he began by saying, you know, we're, we're good front runners. And by the way, so are the Eagles. So we can't let that happen. They play with a lead and um, think <laughs> like 13 to 14 of their games. You know, obviously they got a high power offense and that offense gets you behind and makes it a, a one dimensional game. And those guys are just too talented um, to contain them, especially when. You know, it's a. Um, they know what's coming. They get to pin their ears back, especially when they're when they're at home, going on the silent uh, silent cadence. I think that that does a lot for them, and they they really get it going. So I think for us, it's not opposed to. How, it's not how do we really block them. It's more so what kind of game we get into, and you know, if we make it a one dimensional drop back game, then it's going to be pretty tough to keep them off the quarterback. And. Trent went on to say, when it comes to working with a silent cadence, Brock Purdy, he's going to be ready to handle that when they get to Philadelphia. He talked about the noise at the link. I've been to Philly almost every year of my career, so it's, it's, it's a little bit more than just the noise that comes with that place. But um, I think if you can operate in Seattle's noise, I think the noise, you can pretty much operate anywhere. But, um, you know, Philly is just one of those places where you know, those fans, they, they, they make a difference. They get under your skin, you know, they, they yell at you. They, they, they don't stop. So I think that that would be an added factor to it. But I think he operated good in the noise. Yeah, I don't think it's noise that makes the Philadelphia experience so troublesome. It's the, it's the menace in the noise because they'll make you listen to them by saying the most heinous stuff. And... A lot of team, a lot of places know how to say heinous stuff, but there's something it's about form. Yeah, there's something about sort of the the Philly ethos that just puts a little extra bite on it. And if you're not able to drone that out, um, it can it can it can can bother you. I'm sure it bothered Trent Williams a lot more early in his career than it did later. I mean, eventually you get callous to it, but. You know, if you haven't been through it before, and I'm not sure that you, uh, you know, how many 49ers have played in Philadelphia under any circumstances before. Well, last year. Oh, that's true. I forgot. Sorry. Shame. Then on all you. of them, they're all used to it. Uh, Trent Williams, talk about uh, you know regrets or or whatever. Uh, we got two healthy football teams facing off e- against each other on Sunday. Last year in the NFC title game. The Niners weren't particularly healthy, particularly Trent Williams himself. And he says he's glad he's not dealing with that this time around. 
I feel great. Obviously, that, that game last year, it left a sour taste in all of our mouths, especially um, myself. So I felt like I, I owed it to them, you know, to those guys to, to be better this year, this go around. You know, I know I couldn't control my ankle injury, but um, I do think if I would have tapped out a little earlier, I think um, I would have gave my, my team a better chance to come out on top. So, um, you know, I still carry that with me, and I'm blessed that I can walk into this game uh, healthy, not having any residuals from anything, and you know, hopefully I can um, play healthy, healthy four quarters, give my team a, a better chance to win, better than I did last year. When we come on back, it is our final segment of the entire day, which by definition makes it Ray Ratto's favorite segment of the entire day. And in that segment, hey diddle diddle, you will hear from George Kittle. So stick around for that. The Road to Glendale brought to you by the SF Sheriff Office. Your future begins here. Visit sfsheriff.com to apply today. And remember, all guests join us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. We are back here. It is our final segment of the afternoon. Hell of an afternoon, if you don't mind me saying, with Ron Jaworski. Not even Joe Fortenbaugh could ruin it. Steve Kerr was outstanding. Got a little reel around James Wiseman. Some interesting stuff there. The Road to Glendale is brought to you by Marowest Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, and together. We're going to get into some George Kittle sound here in just a second. But somebody again says, Damon, you are a Wiseman hater, period. No, I'm not. But I just don't see it. I don't see it. I didn't see the dog in him at any point in time in his career, in any particular game that he has played. You can't be seven feet tall and be, you know, under five rebounds every single time I look at you and expect me to be impressed by what you're supposed to be on the court as you're trying to figure out everything on the court. The one thing you can do is rebound. And he doesn't do much of that. And it's not the fact that I hate James Wiseman. It's the fact that the Golden State Warriors hate James Wiseman. And I don't mean they really hate him. Of course, they like him. But they have no use for him as a basketball player. There's no amount of healthy and ready to go that has ever been enough for them to say, all right, 
Let's throw them back out there and see how it looks again tonight. It just, they, if they're developing him, they sure got a funny way about developing him. Uh, it, it's not a funny way of developing him. They're trying to develop him. It's just that nothing's developing. It hasn't grafted yet. It hasn't, and it may never graft. I mean, I think it's reasonable to assume that they are approaching the Fisher cut bait moment. But the debate about, well, what would you get in return for James Weissman is starting to change into, well, who would you play instead of him? Because if he's not helping you, what good is he? And, you know, I, I'm not in the mood to bury a guy, but there is a point at which what you see is what you're getting. And if you're not seeing much, it's because you're not getting much. And I don't think Steve Kerr is hiding that fact either. I think it, it's pretty, today was a pretty significant, not admission, but a statement that if he could play more, he would play more. So someone says, Damon, wait, please elaborate. For those who missed the Kerr interview, what did he say about James Wiseman? Well, I asked him point blank. Do you owe it to this guy to either play him or trade him at this point in his career? One of the things that I tell James from time to time is I, I feel bad for him because of the circumstances. He's, he's had a, a tough go with the injuries. The injuries have definitely set him back. But bottom line is... He's a really talented young guy playing on a veteran team. So he's he's in a situation where he's not getting as many reps and as much playing time as he would in a different set of circumstances. Um, you know, had, had he been drafted by a, a different team, he'd be getting more opportunities for sure. And that's uh, part of his story. That's part of his journey. And what I love about James is he understands that and recognizes it and continues to keep a, a positive spirit and energy and, and works hard every single day and uh, and he's wonderful to coach so as i've said many times i'm a huge fan and um, however this plays out we don't know but um, i i hope i get to continue to coach him and i hope that he can develop here and and get more opportunities as we go forward again james wiseman needs more than coaching he's like trey lance he needs to play he needs to start feeling the NBA and feeling that he belongs out there because he is apprehensive when he is on the basketball court. You know, James Wiseman's number one on-court attribute is he looks a little uncomfortable. And that's not good. It's just not a good place to be operating from. Anyways, if you missed the Steve Kerr interview, you can listen to it in its entirety, not only online on our YouTube page, not only on the Odyssey app, but you can listen to it live in its entirety Right at 6 o'clock, it's how we're going to tip off the best of the game tonight coming up in just about eight minutes from right now. Uh, as I was telling you earlier, Ray, my my, my one-and-a-half-year-old, well, you know, he's, he's approaching uh, that time where he's, you know, he's officially been around for two football seasons. And every year that Ozzie's been alive, the 49ers find themselves in an NFC title game. We know what happened last year. So hopefully this year goes a little bit better. And that is basically what George Kittle was saying when he was talking about last year's appearance in the NFC title game today at the 49ers press conference. Win the game earlier. I mean, that's one. That's part of it. And I mean, if you go back, whether it was the NFC championship game last year or a Super Bowl, like I'm pretty sure our first drive in both those games, we didn't do anything on it. Um, second drives, I don't know how effective we were. And so like, hey, maybe let's just come out to a hot start and get some points on the board. And so they're not, we're not playing from behind or, you know, having to make miracle plays at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, we had opportunities to win those games at the end. But, you know, if you make plays early enough, you know, first, second quarter, then you might not put yourself in those situations. Not only do they have to play well first, second quarter, Ray, they got to be Johnny on the spot first, second down. They got to make third and manageable the priority, the offensive priority of the afternoon. Oh, I think they always do, but sometimes you can't do it because the other team has something to say about it. I'm more interested in what happens if they lose on Sunday. Will you fire Ozzy? Ozzy's got the job. He's got the job. Is he on the hot seat? Ask his mother. She's the Niner fan. Would you would you bring him in for a stern postseason talking? Just a grilling, like an on air grilling yeah. by Ray Rattler. Why are you failing? What's wrong? Oh, with I don't you? want to talk to him. Oh, okay. No, I just—he's way too much like a human being now. He was much better when he was a nerd child. He's got one word that he goes to more than any other words: car, car. He loves cars. If he sees a car, he points it out, calls it out by name. Car. 
that's when you say, well, if you don't win on Sunday, you're going to be in one heading out of town, Jack. Or is he saying that it's time for the 49ers to bring in Derek Carr? Maybe that's it. Maybe he's thinking ahead to the offseason. Well, in Carr. which case, he's Carr. not a very good general manager. No, he? no, he wouldn't be. Uh, George Kittle asked about Philadelphia matching the Niners' physicality. We'll see on Sunday, won't we? I mean, they've got six first-round draft picks on the D-line. They've got a really good secondary. They've got physical guys at linebacker. So, yeah, I mean, whatever you, say, whatever you see on paper, sure. I mean, it's the NFL. When you look at paper, it should be like, oh, yeah, we can match their physicality and stuff like that. And then you get on the field on Sundays and... The film after the game will show you exactly what you're asking. So I know we're going to come out. We're going to be violent and physical. I'm expecting them to be the same thing, but we'll see. Look, and I'd be surprised if either of these teams were anything less than violent and physical. The one thing, even during the worst of whatever the worst of Shanahan was, effort has never been an issue. Wanting to go out there and swap paint with the opponent has never been in question with the San Francisco 49ers. And they're going to go out and play on Sunday as hard as any game they've played, if not harder, this entire year. I'm completely convinced of that. Maybe they lose the game, but it won't be effort-based. Well, they're rarely unprepared, and they rarely mail it in. I mean, there might have been a game here or there where they weren't entirely engaged. The Raider game comes immediately to mind. But for the most part, you get your money's worth with them. In terms of the th- the minimum standard that you're looking for in sports entertainment, which is they're trying hard and they're doing the things they're supposed to do as well as they can. Sometimes the other team is doing them better. We may have, Ray, even got our money's worth out of you today. Outstanding job. Again, Absolutely sp- not. Sparkling from 3 right to 5.55. I've been malingering the whole day. Thanks so much again to Ron Jaworski, Joe Fortenbaugh, Steve Kerr for joining us here. And if you miss Steve Kerr, he's what's coming up next on The Game, brought to you by Fremont Bank. Our man Sterling Bennett is going to take you through a best-of hour, and it's going to tip off with Steve Kerr. So stick around for all that. Lucas, uh, Grandy, thank you very, very much to all who listened, participated in this one today. Thank you as well. We'll be back tomorrow, one more day, to get you ready for 49ers and Eagles. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.